Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at Home. Go ahead and take just a minute. Go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can also download the kids' activity sheet. If you're playing catch up on some videos and you would like the last uh, notes of the time that you're watching or listening, you can email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org. Well, we left off just a couple of weeks ago looking at um, the three Hebrew guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel in the beginning. In fact, we looked at their life and we looked at the test that lied before them of bowing before Nebuchadnezzar's statue, which when we looked at it, they did not bow. In fact, they said something interesting. They knew that the consequences were to be thrown in the fiery furnace, but they knew that either their God would deliver them or that they would die, but they would never bow a knee. Well, as the story goes, uh, there was the fourth one in the fire protecting them. In fact, you can catch up on that as well. Well, today I want to look at Daniel chapter 5. In fact, the title today is The Handwriting on the Wall. If you've never read this before, in fact, I'd encourage you, it's especially important, go through Daniel chapter 1 through chapter 5. You're going to read a little bit about um, Nebuchadnezzar. This is that king that's going back and forth and back and forth that had a statue built up. We last read about him in Daniel 4 that he has a second dream that Daniel interprets And at the end of that dream, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be found grazing like a cow in the fields, having dew on his back. And yet, then he comes back and he's praising God. He's always going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But now his son has taken over the kingdom. And you would think that the son would have learned and had watched what the father went through. But again, we find out, no, In fact, one of the most important things about this and about Babylon in between Nebuchadnezzar's reign and his son Belshazzar's reign is they lived like they didn't have to answer to anyone. They could erect up a statue and have everybody bow and they could do whatever they want. And yet we come on this scene that God is going to get his attention and he's going to do so by the handwriting on the wall. I want you to remember this verse. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. This is out of the message translation in the book of Romans. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Don't become adjusted to the culture. We're going to look at that today at Belshazzar um, and how he becomes kind of worse and mocking God than even his father. So I do want to read uh, several of these verses to us today. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 30. I'm reading out of the New King James. In fact, this will kind of give you an entire picture of the son taking over for the father. And let me read these verses to us today. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of a thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father 
Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that they had taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine. They praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried out aloud, bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, and they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. And the queen spoke saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Isn't it interesting, right, when we read this? The queen knows exactly who to call. The queen is sure that the Spirit of God is in him, and the queen knows that in Daniel, he'll give this interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the captives of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise man, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read the writing." and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed in purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be a third ruler in the kingdom. 
Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples and nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whoever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whoever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly thrones and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine with them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of his hand were sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel Upshrizen. This is the interpretation of each word, Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave a command and clothed Daniel in purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Wow, we read all of these verses. And interesting in the midst, if we were going to go back to Daniel 1, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar overthrew that part of Jerusalem and chose out certain um, Jewish Hebrew boys and brought them back, he also brought back the spoils of God's temple. Though Nebuchadnezzar went back and forth, and as even Daniel said, he would uh, exalt himself above all. He would execute those he chose, spare those he chose. But his heart became heavy and full of pride. And he ended up out feeding just like the oxen with the wild donkeys. Now, the son would have viewed all of this. In fact, he went a step further. 
is he took those very articles that were in the temple of God that were holy unto the Lord, and he began to use those and defile those things as almost a mockery before God. In fact, the exact thing we read in the scripture was before the gods he did that. And God had had enough. In fact, it's almost as if we won't call it graffiti, which most of us know and we've seen graffiti before, that somebody comes somewhere with usually a spray can and sprays something, whether tagging a, a gang symbol or writing a name or something, and then somebody might come back over and erase it and put their own image, and then somebody else will come back up and remove the graffiti or paint it. The finger of God comes down and writes this on the wall. And I want you to know today that what's very interesting, even in our society, is that God does put up with a lot. In fact, many times people will say, hey, if there was a God, would he would stop this or he would stop that. Well, what's interesting when we go back even to Genesis chapter 3 is both Adam and Eve chose what they wanted to do. And we see that even playing out today. Nations choose, leaders choose, people choose. But never will God be mocked. He will always show himself as Lord over all things. And in this situation being mocked and Daniel bringing the interpretation, we see a few things out. We see the queen that understands the answer. And the answer is found in Daniel, who is full of the spirit of God. We see that God is writing on the wall. He's numbering the days. In fact, the days are instantly numbered before him. And that interpretation that God is above all things and he will not be mocked. He will not be shamed. Which shall remind us always what we read about in Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we read these verses, in fact, we, we remember this out of Proverbs. Solomon actually wrote this. All the ways of man are pure before his eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. It's always back to what he said, what he actually wrote for us in God's word. What did he have to say? That will stand. That's what is tested. You know, there's another verse in Romans chapter 3, 23 that says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Yet that's the part of our lives where we come to him when your feet hit the floor and you begin about your day, that you're living out today honoring him with your life. If you make a mistake, then you come before him and you repent and you get back on track. You know, it's interesting that Daniel uses these exact words in Daniel 5, 3, and 4. They brought the gold vessels that had taken been taken from the temple of the house of the God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the kings and his lords, his wives, his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine and they praised the God of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. God will not be mocked. You know, this also reminds us of, this is a great test for Daniel. In fact, many Bible scholars feel like that um, Daniel is about 90 years of age at this point. When we read about him in Daniel 1, he was that of uh, a teenager type. 
He's been in the kingdom. We know that he's been praying. We know that he's been sought out by these leaders. And yet this is a test before him because this is not a message of anything that would be good to somebody like Belshazzar that would have done the same thing had him executed. This is a stern word. This is having judgment come upon him. But here's what Daniel knows. He stands before the living God. He's going to deliver the exact words. In fact, Belshazzar does that odd thing. Daniel says, I don't need the the purple coat and the chain, but he throws it on him anyways and decrees that he's a third over the kingdom. Daniel didn't need that. You cannot buy that type of thinking that you can buy that favor uh, from God that he's going to look and turn away from how you've mocked him. But God always will stand. He will not be mocked. But you know, it's interesting throughout the Bible that we read about the finger of God writing. You know, back in uh, the time of Exodus and Pharaoh, we read this in Exodus 31, 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on the mountain, this is back, oh, wrong verse. Let me back up. Exodus 8, 19. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed just as the Lord had said. In the midst of the plagues, when Pharaoh would have the magicians come out and replicate the initial ones, they knew that this had come from what? The finger of God. In the one I jumped ahead with, Exodus chapter 31, 18, this is talking about God. And when he had made an end of speaking to him of Moses on the Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony. Tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So the finger of God had been in the plagues uh, on Egypt. Now the finger of God writes the Ten Commandments on those stones that Moses is going to bring down to the people. Do you know that Jesus wrote in the dirt? We read the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery and the leaders of those days pulled her out, threw her before Jesus. And uh, the law was that she should be stoned, but we read in John 8, 6 that here's what Jesus did. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. You know, again, back in those days, she should have been stoned. But the trap was, where was the guy that was caught in the act of adultery? You know, we don't know what Jesus wrote down in that sand or that dirt of that day. But evidently, it was enough that everybody dropped the stones and walked away. And he used those words, he who has sin among you, let him, who does not have sin among you, cast the first stone. Jesus writing in the dirt. You know, the if you read about the history of the, the early church, the early Christians, especially in the time of Nero, where they were executing Christians, you can go back and, and we used to see a lot, you don't see it as much as we do, the symbol of the fish with actual, actually those Greek uh, letters that are in there. And what they would do because the persecution was so high and people were getting turned in that as you and I might be in a conversation, 
I would, in the dirt, either with my sandal or with a stick or something, I would draw that initial half part of the fish. And one of two things would happen is you would look down and think, okay, I'm crazy, I'm doodling. Or what you would do is you would finish that fish as well, too. And there was that understanding among us that we were Christians. In fact, we might say something like you'd look down and say, okay, Bible study tonight at my house at seven o'clock. In fact, they were known that even in the early days that they were hiding under the catacombs or places uh, where they couldn't be found. But they would write those things down so that they could connect with one another. So we go through and we see that God is always speaking. God is always at work. Those that mock God, he is judging. We see it early in with the Pharaoh that the magicians knew that those plagues were the finger of God. God's finger was written all over uh, the, the Ten Commandments. Jesus wrote in, in the ground. In fact, the word of God that we have is God-breathed. It was written by holy men or men of old that were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's not a word that the Holy Spirit didn't want written in our Bibles to us. So God wrote us from beginning to end all the message that he wanted us to know. In fact, Revelation says, John says, whoever adds to this book or takes away, judgment will come upon you. He is writing those things again. The Apostle Paul lets us know in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 and 3, that uh, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And that's what God does when you receive him as Savior. That's what God does when you begin to read his word, meditate his word, memorize his word. He writes those things not on a tablet, but he writes those things in your heart. God will not be mocked. Those that mock him, those that use his, uh, use his instruments or his thing, uh, to mock him, to ridicule him, will be judged. Those of us that come before him and, and have his words written in our heart will come alive. So my prayer to you today is allow those words to get in your heart. God is speaking. He has written these things, past, present, future for you to see, to dive into. And just like Daniel, many times you're thrown in a test. And you don't want to deliver those exact words, but deliver those words, what God says, deliver those words in love and allow God to use you, especially this week with his words. Well, I pray for you today and I pray that the word of God would dwell in your heart richly, that you would overflow in his words, that whatever you put your hands to would prosper that there are blessing, there are healings upon your family this day, and that God is not mocked. We fear the Lord. We trust the Lord with all of our heart. We don't become so well-adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. 
we fix our attention on him and we're changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, our scripture, our verse of tithes and offerings, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says this, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Notice in all things, the seed, the grass seed, the seed for a lemon tree, the seed for whatever, a strawberry plant, has all been provided by the Lord. We read that back in Genesis. He's the one that supplied. So the Apostle Paul writes and mentions this. He is the one that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Let him supply and multiply the seed that you are sowing. In fact, many times that's you in our giving, that it's like a seed being sown that will multiply and increase. So our prayer today, as you give, as you, as you set your heart to give, that God would take of what you give and he would multiply it. Pray this prayer with me. In fact, you pray it as if it's only you today. Say this with me. As I give in today's offering, I stand on the word of God. And I believe the promise that as I give, God will water and multiply it according to his greatness and goodness. Let it be released over my life beginning today. In fact, if you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. It's safe, fast, and secure. If you want to give by mail, you can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 66. 1419 Arcadia, California, 91066. And the Lord bless you for that. Let me remind you, if you need prayer, email us, prayer at hillschurcharcadia.org. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, to find all of our service times, events, our food ministry that takes place uh, the second and fourth Saturday of the month. And remember these words out of Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help, your help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord bless you. Allow his words to be written on your heart and follow and trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.